right, thank you, Ashley Choir Orchestra. Wow, wonderful morning of worship. The father of two men died. The father was the president of a local bank, and this father loved money more than anything. So his two sons began to talk about a way that they could honor their father, and they talked and they, they reflected, and finally they came up with the perfect idea. The perfect plan was that each one of them were going to place $1,000 in each of his hands. And that would be how they would honor their father. So the younger brother, with all the excitement of this newfound plan, went to the bank and he got 10 brand new $100 bills. And he fanned them out and he went and he lovingly and tenderly placed them in his father's hand. Well, the older son saw what the younger son had done and he came back later that evening and he pulled out his checkbook and he wrote a check for $2,000 and placed the check in his father's hands and took the $1,000 cash out and put it in his pocket. Like father, like son. There's a story in Luke chapter 12 of a younger son coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I don't feel like my older brother has treated me right in my inheritance from my father. Would you arbitrate? Would you rule on this occasion? And Jesus chose not to get involved in the family affairs at that time, but he turned to his disciples and he said this in verse 15, Beware of every kind of greed, for abundance does not consist of possessions. You see, church, we, especially in this culture and in this society, we have the false notion that possessions and the pleasures of this world define what abundance means and that they are what ultimately brings satisfaction. We covet what others have, believing that stuff, and especially their stuff, is what will ultimately bring us fulfillment and joy in life. Let us remember the old Roman proverb that says this, that says, money or wealth is like seawater. The more a man drinks, the thirstier he becomes. But the message of Jesus is that meaning in life does not come from things, from possessions, from wealth, but rather abundance comes in a different way. And so he told the story of the foolish man. If you would, follow me as we read in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21. And Jesus began telling them a parable, saying that the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. And there I will store all of my grain and all of my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat. Drink. 
and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. As we read this passage today, I wonder if it confronts you like it did me. For you see, the challenge for today is that greed is socially acceptable in our culture. At first hearing, don't we want to rally behind the successful farmer who's building bigger barns? You see, we are quite uncomfortable with the idea of judging this person. After all, he's the one that took the risk, so he should benefit fully from the harvest. So we can relate to this man when he asks the question, what shall I do? For you see, I'm so good, I'm so rich, I'm so successful, why surely I'll just build some bigger barns. But here's the problem. The rich man, especially the rich man in this story, was living as if God did not exist. Sure, he may have acknowledged God here, there, in culture and society, because that was the the right and proper thing to do. But, But in all reality, he was a practical atheist. He lived his life practically and experientially as if there was no God. Did you pick up on his language? What shall I do with my harvest? In this short parable, this rich man uses the word I or my 11 times in order to describe his crops, his barns, his grain, his goods, and even his soul. The circle of this man's life had been reduced to a dot himself. He even failed to see his dependence upon God for the grace of the harvest. He considered his abundance what he deserved, so he thanked himself, not God. This rich man is the ultimate example of who Jesus described as a lover of money. So for us today, this parable draws attention to what I want to call this morning the crisis of abundance. Now, I do not believe that Jesus is criticizing this man for having barns. He had barns. But it appears that his barns were sufficient. His barns were sufficient for his need. But when a great surplus came his way, when that bumper crop came his way, he didn't know what to do with the surplus. I think he asked the right question. What shall I do with my abundance? But he gave the wrong answer. You see, the rich man resolved his crisis of abundance through excessive self-gratification. His self-indulgence And apathy created a hoarding mentality. He reasoned that if he built bigger barns, that he would no longer have to work. 
He could simply eat and drink and be merry. After all, isn't this what the good life is all about? This man had plenty to live on, but he had nothing to live for. What we see in this story is that those who only invest in themselves are both spiritually and morally bankrupt. This rich man lacked understanding of the responsibility or the stewardship of abundance. And the ultimate problem that this man had, however, was that he did not own his own soul. And that night, the parable tells us that God required his soul of him. But you see, I believe there's another answer to this question. There's another answer to the question of what shall I do with my surplus? What shall I do with my abundance? And it's the answer to that question is that we are to, to be rich toward God with our abundance, with all that He gives us. We're to store our treasures in heaven. And we do this, we embrace, we adopt this way of life as we would talk about and understand what I want to call the stewardship of Excuse me, the stewardship of abundance. It's based on Psalm 24 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it as well. Everything that I have, everything that we have, everything that this rich man had gained through the work of his, his, his crews, of his servants, to, to garner this massive harvest, that everything that he had was the Lord's. And so, what does it mean to be good stewards of the abundance that God? blesses us with. Again, this man's problem was not his abundance. This man's problem was not his surplus. The problem was his greed. He had more than he could ever have used or needed. And all he could think of was himself. His ruthless appetite for bigger barns to store surplus grain could only mean one thing that others who needed bread would not have access to it. Faith. Faith, however, sees abundance as surplus to share because the God who has provided this harvest can be trusted to provide the harvest that comes next year and the year after that as well. And so part of being, understanding the stewardship of abundance is not missing out on the joy, on the fun of being a steward of what God has blessed us with. So let's ask the question, what does it mean to be a steward? What does it mean to be a steward of what God grants us and gives us and blesses us through the harvest of our work and of our lives? Well, to be a steward means to take the abundance of God's provision and to allow that abundance, to allow that surplus to bless others in their need. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Ephesians. He says, work, work hard so that you can have something to share with someone else. 
We work with the idea of collecting a harvest that, that not only takes care of our own need, but it also addresses and takes care of the need of someone else. Church, let us always be reminded that greed is caused by selfishness. And that's what we see in the first part of this, this story, this parable that Jesus tells. But Jesus continues on in chapter 12, and, and verses 22 through 30 are, are a powerful expression of how selfishness and greed can be acted out in a different way. One of the other causes or reasons for greed in our lives is anxiety, is worry. And both worry and both selfishness rob us of the abundance that God gives us and of the joy of stewardship, of sharing and giving to others. So let's talk about the crisis of anxiety. In verse 22, the scripture says, Do not worry about your life or what you will put in it. Anxiety is the crippling fear that there may not be enough. If you're on the poor end of society, this anxiety surfaces the question of survival. Do I even have enough to survive? Do I even have enough to live? Do I even have enough to get out of the inclement weather? Do I have enough clothing to, to cover my body to provide warmth and shelter for my body in that, that intimate way? And so we worry, we have anxiety at that, that level of poverty. Do I even have enough to survive and to live? But there's another anxiety that the rich have and that maybe even the middle class have. And that is, do I have enough to maintain this lifestyle? Do I have enough to maintain the lifestyle that I want to live and that I feel that I deserve to live? Could it be that that's the question, the part of anxiety that, that most of us here today would, would struggle with? It's interesting, this word anxious. The scripture says, do not be anxious. The Lord teaches, do not be anxious. It's a powerful word picture, this word anxiousness, anxiety. It means to pull yourself in two. You have these two tensions that are going on, and anxiety is that which pulls you apart. Do I have enough? To survive? Do I have enough to be in this, to maintain this lifestyle that, that I desire? And there's this tension that pulls us. And yet the Lord says, Do not worry. Do not have anxiety about what you will put on, about your life. The Lord says this The raven, the raven. Who's the raven? What, what's so important about the raven? In the Old Testament, the raven was declared unclean. The raven was abhorrent to the Lord. And yet Jesus says, even the raven has plenty. That God provides for the raven. How much more so for you? God loves you. How much more will he provide for your, care, your needs? What about the lilies of the field? What about the grasses that we see in the field? Jesus says, not even Solomon, in all of his glory, in all of his wealth, in all of the, the fine goods that he purchased, not even Solomon can compare to the glory and the beauty of the lilies of the field, and of the grasses which are burned. 
How much more does God love and care for you? So why are we worried? Why, why do we have anxiety about these things in these areas of life? Anxiety describes the battle of faith and of trust that we have in God. Can I trust God? Or can I not trust God? Or maybe I just need to build some bigger barns and that way I don't have to trust God for the harvest, even the harvest of next year. So what shall I do? Jesus would ask us, what shall we do? And I think he answers the question in verse 31. He says that we're to seek his kingdom first. We're to seek his kingdom and all these things, all these things that we would be anxious about, all these things that would try to pull us apart, to pull us into, all these things will be added to you. For you see, life in the kingdom of God is characterized by learning to trust in God, not in ourself, not in others, not in our harvest, not in our barns. Yes, the kingdom life includes work. It includes the work of preparation, of growing, and of harvest. But the work of the kingdom of God also includes the work of giving and of sharing our abundance instead of hoarding it for ourselves. Now that's an interesting word that I've used at least twice now, this word hoarding. What does it look like when we hoard our things? When we build bigger barns? Here's a couple of pictures to consider. What do you think of when you see this? I wonder how God sees our hoarding from His perspective. What about this? When we see that, we see this person, this person needs help. <laughs> this person is sick. Does anyone think that a bigger barn is going to help this person? And yet sometimes I wonder if that's what God sees. When we say, well, all I need is a bigger barn. Hey, I hit the jackpot. I just need to build bigger barns now. The harvest is so great, I can't even imagine. I just need to build bigger barns now. Wow. God provides the harvest, certainly so that we can, we can fill our barns, if you would, to provide for ourselves. But oh, that we can move beyond the, the, the attitude and the expectation that we just need. The, the answer to all of life's question is building bigger barns. Wow, I don't know if any of that stuff is any good. At some point, I'm sure it was. It could have been shared. It could have been given to others. It could have been used. But now look at it. It just sits on a trash heap in a bigger barn. So what shall we do? That continues to be the question that, that we have to ask ourselves. What shall we do with the abundance that God has given us? And we are a people, if we'd be honest, that God has been so gracious and abundant towards. What shall we do? Again, look at verse 33. Sell your possessions. Give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out. These money belts are an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near 
nor moths destroy. Again, when we look at those pictures, we see where, where stuff, our treasures, where, where they're so easy to come and to be destroyed in that kind of environment, in that kind of setting. So instead of hoarding and building bigger barns, we must learn to lay or to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Jesus calls this, I think, making money belts. Money belts imply that we have enough for ourselves, but we also have enough to share. Money belts, which do not give out, speaks of the eternal nature of sharing our surplus with others. It speaks of a way of life, a way of life that leads and embraces and encompasses an abundance. Sell and give. Let me offer a couple of suggestions. First of all, do you tithe? Do you tithe from your harvest? Do you tithe from the wealth that God blesses you? Well, that's my wealth. That's, that's my harvest. You sure? Isn't everything the Lord's? Do you offer a tithe to the church, to the local storehouse? Let me share with you some statistics. This first one, I think, highlights in an incredible way the crisis of abundance that we are in. Listen to this. Today, Christians give 2.5% of their income to the church. A tithe, 10%. Today, in the wealth of this nation, Christians give 2.5% of their wealth to the church. During the Great Depression, the church gave at least 3.3%. Isn't that something? In the Great Depression, people gave 3.3%. Still not a tithe, but much more than they give today in a culture of great abundance and wealth. 1% of families who make over $75,000 tithe. Well, you know what? We're just starting out, and, and you know what? When we make this amount, when we get to 75000 you bet we'll be tithing. When we get to 100000 you bet we'll be tithing. You know, we're just starting out. we got some barns we want to build and, and, and to fill, but you know what? When we get there, no. Because why? Because everything's the Lord, and we begin where we are. 37% of regular churchgoers give nothing to the church. The average adult who attends church gives $17 a week. Why? Why is this so? Could it be because we are hoarding and more interested in building bigger barns for ourselves? Maybe it's time that we look at, instead of focusing on bigger barns, we look at our money belts. Here's, here's an interesting statistic. 77%, that's three out of four, a little more, 77% of those who tithe, of those who give a tithe, give 11 to 20% or more to the church. You see that? Those who've discovered the value, those who've discovered the blessing, those who've discovered the abundant life through sharing and giving of their tithes, 
give, 75% of them give above and beyond their tithe. Why? Because they've discovered that where their treasure is, their heart is, and their heart is in the kingdom of God, and they continue to give above and beyond even the tithe because they've learned of God's goodness and graciousness. Where your treasure is, so is your heart. Are you laying up treasures for yourself in the kingdom? The second way I want to talk about making money belts is just through giving to charity. The scripture, we've got a video we want to run from last week. Giving to charity is our opportunity to, to feed the hungry, to clothe the poor, to shelter the homeless, to, to help those in distress. Last week we had a feed the funnel party and we gathered in the Family Life Center. I believe we packed 24,000 meals. Through the donations, through the gifts of this church over the last few months, we raised about $5,000 and we met, I think we had over 100 volunteers, just over 100 volunteers last week that met. Uh, food and Shelter, Salvation Army, Mission Norman came and, and collected boxes of food to take to share in our community, in our, in our food pantry. We've added, we've stocked shelves with our food because we are giving and sharing. We're, we're sharing our surplus. We're sharing and giving what we have to those in need. David Garland wrote this. He said, we must learn to build different kinds of barns and to throw different kinds of parties. Isn't that powerful? Let's have some different kinds of parties. Well, what do you, let's have some feed the funnel parties, right? Where we gather our, our surplus and our excess and we, we multiply it and we, 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 we use it, we build it, we share it with those that are hungry and those that have need, those that are in despair, Let's have some Hands for Harvey parties, right? Where we gather teams together and we go down to Corpus and we minister to those in need. We've got our youth planning to go to Peru this summer to go and to help nurture and to build and to encourage those new believers and those in poverty in another country. Church, we've got to be creative. We've got to be creative in building our barns different kinds of barns, and then throwing different kinds of parties. You see, the way of abundance is to focus on treasures in heaven. Jesus said it like this. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Because our abundance, when we give it away, ministers and blesses not only here in this place, but also into eternity. For that which we give to God and that which we give to others will last forever if we give it in the name of the Lord. For no thief or moth can destroy the treasures that we store and that we lay up in heaven. Church, let us not be fooled by the philosophies and the ideas of this world. For I believe the scripture is clear. The way of abundance means filling empty stomachs, not building bigger barns. Could it be that today, that God is showing us, some of us, that our barns are too big, that it's time to sell, it's time to give. It's time to lay up our treasures in heaven. So this morning, where is your heart? Is your heart in building bigger barns? Or is your heart 
in storing up treasure in heaven. Let's pray.